We're about to hear a story of a fellow who was born in Pakistan, but his family moved to London when he was really just a baby. Imran Ahmed was the only Pakistani boy at his school, and he tried to fit in by becoming ultra-English while hanging on to his family's religion and culture. His role models were James Bond and the Saint, but the young Imran failed to be dashing and was bewildered by women. He's written a book about those early years, which covers his mistaken belief that God would get him through his exams his learning curve with the opposite sex, his passion for cars, and the sense of being an observer of his own life. Imran Ahmed has a strong sense of fairness, which, as he told our Rosemary, received a very nasty shock at an early age. Now, this is obviously something I was told about, but I've seen the photographs, and, the, and one of the photos is on the cover of the book. Um, I was dressed extremely smartly at the age of one year and three months in the black suit, white shirt, and dark tie. And I feel, looking at that picture, that I look somewhat like James Bond. But um, first prize went to the child of the organiser. And this is absolutely typical of third world banana republic unfairness. Because in the West, the organiser's child would not be allowed to enter the contest. And that's when I began my lifelong struggle against corruption and injustice. (laughs) How are you going? A long way to go, yeah. (laughs) You moved to England and you had a growing sense of awareness that there was a difference, though you... Your family had the same issues of every other family needing you to do well in your education or what have you. But even at an early age, you you were considering the big questions. Um, You were aware of your Muslim background and that the people around you were at least nominally Christian. Big questions for a seven-year-old. Yes. You know, just apart from all the usual seven-year-old issues, I did have this growing awareness that I was different. I mean, actually, in, in those days, I was the only... Um, non-Indigenous person, actually, in the class. Uh, and so I had this awareness of being different. And for me, that was a bit troublesome, really. Sometimes I was thinking, why couldn't I just be normal like everyone else? But when I b- first became aware of the concept of different religions, well, then I was very troubled by the fact that, how do, well, how do you know which is the true religion? Because surely only one could be true. And then we all just follow the religion of our parents, don't we? So, well, let's just hope it's the right one. But I, I was always troubled from those with these kinds of issues from uh, as, as soon as I became aware of them. I do like the other way the seven-year-old brain works. That you know, you you did speculate what the result would be if Muhammad and Jesus had a fist fight. Yes, that was just my basic tribalism. As soon as I learned, um, I, my mother made me watch this television program about different religions, and uh, and because that particular one was about Islam. So then that's when I finally learned. Oh, okay. So I'm a Muslim. And we believe in someone called Muhammad. And then I thought, well, I bet Muhammad could beat up Jesus in a fight because I'd heard about Jesus in, um, in school. But then I thought, no, but they wouldn't fight oh, because Jesus is always talking about peace. Oh, damn. <laughs> kids have a lot of insight. They know the right questions to ask, even if they don't come up with the See, answers. See, I think that kids are actually more intelligent. They have a, a freer intelligence than, than grown-ups who have... Uh, allowed themselves to be conditioned and programmed. So it's a perfectly reasonable question for a, a child to be worrying about the fact that they know that they are the religion of their parents just by default. How do they know that's the, the true one? Now, now, my view these days is much more uh, broad and all-encompassing, so I have a much more laid-back attitude with respect to religion. But uh, I went through an, you know, an enormous uh, thinking process over many decades just think about that thinking process we, we perhaps don't have enough conversations with people who are not banging on in extremist ways the Ian Paisley's of Northern Ireland the, the people quoted here who um, are purport to be 
representatives of the Muslim faith that are derogatory. And the people like yourself who are engaged interested, questioning. Absolutely. Well, but you hit the, the nail on the head there. It's not about religion. It's about tribalism. Certainly Northern Ireland is about tribalism. And some of the ways that some of the political situations around the world are being dealt with, they are, we're falling into a lazy tribalism over them. And that's what we must avoid because uh, we need to remember our humanity. And tribalism is a lazy position to take. Um, talking about moderate Muslims, you know, it's enormously frustrating because actually no one is interested in hearing from a, particularly a Muslim who has something reasonable to say. I mean, I had to write a book, and it had to be a, quite a good book, before I could finally get any airtime. So if you haven't written the book, you're just trying to say something reasonable. No one's interested. Uh, I, I, but if I was to say something unreasonable, then I'd have no shortage of media that's, attention. That's right. And the fact that you've managed to get a, a book published, which is not about a miserable, oh, wretched childhood oh, that was the other problem. of abuse. Do you know that all the major publishers rejected it? because it was, And they said, quote, it's not miserable enough. Or he didn't become a terrorist. So why would anyone be interested? What's the point of him? I know. <laughs> so it's incredibly frustrating. And then you hear these people saying, well, why aren't we hearing the voices of the moderate Muslims? Because we can't get any airtime, because we've got nothing to say, particularly the dramatic. <laughs> I bet not everybody would have expected one of your childhood ambitions to be James Bond, though. Well, I mean, it seemed to me that when you're looking for... You're growing up, you're looking for role models. But let me tell you that the Dutch edition of my book is called... Muhammad, Jesus, and James Bond. That's um, a great title. <laughs> and, and, and those were really th- role models that I had uh, exposure to when I was growing up and taking something from all of them. Of course, James Bond, it seemed to me, was the ultimate person who belonged in society because I, I had this longing for belonging. I didn't want to be different. I wanted to be part of society. And James Bond was definitely part of the establishment, you know, loved by beautiful women and admired by all. So kind of that's, that struck me as the, the, the kind of role model that I might aspire to. I tried to audition for the role, but because I wouldn't drink the vodka and I wouldn't kiss any of the women without asking my mother, I always, <laughs> I always uh, get kicked out. <laughs> it's hard being Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. Tell, tell me about the, your, your school days. You went to an excellent school where, where you were happy, but how, how did you integrate? Yeah, I mean, I think that for anyone, actually, a boys' school is a difficult environment. I mean, boys are not very spiritually enlightened and uh, full of peace and love. They are, it's very much about survival, <laughs> um, regardless of your own religion, ethnicity, and so on. Boys' schools can be tough places. Um, and you, the last thing you want to do is not fit in with the crowd. So I had those those kind of issues. By some miracle, and I still today this day maintain it was a miracle. I passed the entrance exam and got in. I just wanted to belong, but of course I uh, stood out. And in your book, Unimagined, when when you describe some of the encounters, which are really quite vile, unpleasant, yeah. Oh, I think being spat at? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah that counts as unpleasant, I think. But I'm interested in the way you, even at a, a very young age, responded. You, you showed a level of understanding of, of why people thought as they did when you came across Well, there are many, many aspects of this. First of all, there's a problem in boys' schools, particularly, I think, which is that you can't, you can't tell on anyone, as it were. So that you can't complain to a teacher because that would be pathetic. I didn't like the fact that these people were racist and I 
was obviously suffering because of their racism. But I actually was able to put myself into their mentality and, and actually understand why they were racist. I could, I could understand why they would be. Uh, from their perspective, why wouldn't they resent me? Um, so I, I could, I did actually realize that I was able to see it from their point of view. It didn't make it, <laughs> didn't make it any much easier. But um, and I want, I would, and I'm hoping that eventually they also moved on. They they progressed as human beings and became better people and, and got over it. What was so good in your book is this extraordinary honesty and openness and humor, um, and these experiences that we all share. I mean, you you disappointed your parents. You didn't work hard enough. You didn't get to be a doctor. That's right. But um, there's an interesting thought process behind that, and it was my it was my intellect rationalizing the religion that I was taught, as it were. So I was taught that God was all-powerful and controlled everything. Therefore, if God controls everything, whether I go to medical school or not is actually up to God rather than myself. So as I say, once I had the offer from the medical school, I figured that all I really had to do was just turn up at the exams and it would all work out if that's what God wanted. Um, I had no sense of personal empowerment. And that this this... As I said, it, it's, it's, the ra- it's the intellectual rationalization of the theology that you're taught. And then I just rationalized it. And that's why I ended up, I, that's why I didn't get into medical school, because I didn't do any work for the exams. You, you, you prayed, but you didn't study. And you're also relying on God when you went to university to, to, to do a generous thing and get you a place that was not going to be a male-only hall of residence, that you didn't have to be segregated, please, God. That's right, yes. On the campus I was going to, there were four halls of residence, and I learned that one of them was segregated, and the other three were not. And, um, well, actually, there's more of a story behind this, because what I I also learned that most of the rooms were single, but a few of the rooms were shared. So I didn't want to have a shared room. So I wrote on the form, the the accommodation form, I wrote, a single room, please, for religious privacy. And I, th- I thought, well, they'll see my name, and they'll, they'll know I'm Muslim. They'll know that Muslims pray a lot, so they'll definitely give me a single room. But all the way up, I was, I was thinking, um, so I hope I get the single room, but please, God, please can I be in the, um, the non-segregated hall, because it'll be easier to meet girls there. Did God come through for you? No, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I did meet my soon-to-be best friend in the, uh, the same hall corridor, and I was best man at his wedding. Oh, you see, God uh, always knows best. I know. <laughs> It's a strange world, but I'm so glad I've had the chance to read Unimagined by Imran Ahmed, and particularly this photograph of you on the front as the boy, the baby, dressed in a suit. I, and I'm really, I'm really, really happy that my, um, my parents took that photo. I think it, it really made the, uh, the cover of the book. Thank you so much. Thank you very much indeed. This is Mornings, 7.20, ABC Perth. And Imran Ahmed is in Perth for the Writers' Festival, giving a couple of free lunchtime talks on Sunday and again on Monday. And on Sunday evening, he's part of the storytelling event, The Moth, at the Octagon Theatre at UWA. And I'm delighted. It is a great book.